You're listening to the Blender Animation Studio Podcast. Brought to you by the Blender Cloud. Is your day in need of rugged tree crust? Then get your rough bark on the cloud. Go to cloud.blender.org. Joining us today is Francesco Sitti. Hey. Pablo Vasquez. Hey. Sefren Stoffel. Hello. And I'm Yalti Amazon. Here's your Francesco! Who is this Francesco guy you always yell about all know. the time before the beginning of the podcast? <laughs> So, welcome everybody to the episode number 69, which Hello. Uh, it's, uh, it's close to 70. I mean, you know, Getting you have old. to say something about numbers mm-hmm, and you go mm-hmm, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I like round numbers. So, it feels like an achievement. Like an eight? No. Like 64. No, that's, well, okay, let's not get so into that. So, out of all the different ideas you had regarding numbers, when you heard the number 69, that's where you went? It's close to 70. <sighs> I was really trying to steer away from this. That's why. Maybe I shouldn't have said anything about the Apollo numbers. landing. Moon yeah, landing. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil Armstrong on the moon in 1969. Rockets. Yeah. 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 What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now let's uh, move to the community news before we talk about our daily topic, which is, uh, uh, I mean very uh, kind of controversial, as in, I suggested idols, <laughs> which Sikhyalti is doing something extremely distracting <laughs> right now, and um, which, which means not, not necessarily, you know, people we idolized or something like that, but we will get, in, we will get into that in a moment. First, uh, let's talk about what's happening in the Blender community from uh, our uh, point of view. And, uh, you know, Telling news from our point of view, of course, is very interesting, but we love to also hear your point of view. So if you have any uh, suggestion, if you have anything that has happened uh, to you or anyone you know that you think uh, we should know about, you can send us an email to <laughs> podcast at blender.cloud and uh, we will check it out. And then uh, if it's a cool story, we, we bring it on the table and share it with everyone. So... A bunch of stuff happened in the last uh, few weeks. This podcast is a couple of days uh, late, so even more things happen than usual. I'm um, going to mention some things and we can we can discuss them. One of them, uh, well, there has been, as usual, uh, a plethora of video content being created. Um, just yesterday, there was the Hero teaser trailer release, Mm-mm. which is awesome. uh, Grease Pencil animated, first Blender 2.8 Grease Pencil animated short film. Made on First, the cloud. Yeah, made, made by, mm. produced by the cloud, like funded by the cloud, but produced outside of the Blender Institute. Yeah. In another country. Yeah. Yeah, many firsts for it's this short. The, the movie of firsts. And it's uh, very exciting. Yes. I, I really like it. I think it's going to turn lots of heads. Yes, we're going to be. Yeah, besides all the grounds that it's breaking, it's it actually looks really good. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about it in the live stream on the Blender Cloud Live. That's, uh, that's very cool. And... Uh, it also announced the the date of the release, which is in less than one month, 16th of April. So, like, the guys are working, no the team pressure. is working <laughs> on the last shots, actually. It's, like, it's fairly, it's fairly safe. It's not that the movie is going to be done on the 16th of April. Like, the movie is actually almost done already. And it needs, of course, the usual amount of tweaking and changes and reviews and music and let it simmer for, like, a couple of days and then go back to it and really make sure that the last that everything has a constant level of quality because sometimes you just don't notice that one shot really doesn't match with the rest or like actually it's a very interesting process what they do in in uh, that kind of 2d animation because it's not uh, 
the way the rendering works, the way that the, the design of a shot works is different than 3D animation. So it's interesting to hear from uh, Daniel when mm. we when we talk about production and production planning how they think of the different shots. But they do use like 3D objects and whatnot. They yes. do, yeah, yeah. Like a lot of layout is done, like the layout is done in, in 3D. And mostly. environment like, too. Yeah. Like the environment is it's it's blocked in 3D, and then you paint the, the lines over on top. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. That's We're cool. gonna open a file and see it in uh, in the live stream there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everything's gonna crash. Of course, <laughs> yeah, because of course. it's all under development. But actually, I've been using it yesterday. I I, I played for like an hour with the Grease Pencil mm. object branch. And it's fairly stable, actually. I I tried to break it, and I couldn't. It's almost like somebody's using it for production, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, that's the feeling. That's, yes. uh, that's very cool. It's amazing, and the, the progress they are doing is insane. So soon we can expect that also to get into Blender 2.8 because right now they're still working in their own Yeah, branch. but I would I would suggest them to actually put all the energy in finishing Hero, wrapping up all the, the yeah. all of the tools. So I wouldn't expect the branch to be before 16th of April. Definitely. Yeah, Sweet. which is great because the code quest begins on the 9th of April. So that gives it a few weeks time to, you know, mm -hmm plan about what's 2.8 going to have first, what are the priorities, depth graph or yeah, like pretty buttons. <laughs> or that's a priority first two months going to be. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Nice. But uh, that, yeah, that would be, uh, I think it's better to wait. Mm. Since we are talking about CodeQuest, like actually have a lump of things about uh, uh, the CodeQuest, a bunch of news. Hey, uh, Francesco, what is the CodeQuest? Wait, that wasn't actually a question. What is the code quest? <laughs> Wait, I, can't, I don't know how to do that. Um, the code quest? The code quest. Like as, uh, we are gathering all or as many Blender Core developers as possible here in Amsterdam for the next three months. Like It's going to be happening very soon. In like a couple of weeks, this is going to start. Uh, is a, a gathering of the main Blender core developers to work on the better release of Blender 2.8. So mm -hmm. Blender 2.79 is uh, out now and is great. And now so nine really A. Take, yeah, A, B very soon. B is coming yeah. up. And, uh, 2.79 uh, is now living in a farm upstate. It's, it's very beautiful. <laughs> Live out its life. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So now it's going to be like something new is coming. So something, much space to roam. Something park. disruptive <laughs> is coming. And uh, it's going to be, it, it needs so much work. Uh, and uh, and it's such a, such a, an, an innovative push in what the software can do. That is really a, a wise idea to gather all the brilliant minds behind the development of the software and get them together so they can discuss more quickly, more efficiently and get to what they want. In the in the fastest way possible because uh, the process is really complex and it takes a lot of iterations. Um, this is something that uh, we experience ourselves uh, in the daily life during film production when yeah. you don't have one member of the team on site <laughs> and you want to get something done in five minutes, but there is a six hours or three hours uh, time difference that becomes really complicated and time-consuming. Yeah. So the idea is to get everyone together to work on it for three months. There's there's the time difference, but also having somebody right next to you and explaining something mm -hmm. or you can just point at something or you can do some drawing or whatever and you can have instant feedback and you see if they get it or not. Yeah. It's it's just gone if you have to write an email or whatever. You know, it's it's very yeah. it's very hard because now you're like trying to make an email that kind of gets the gist out of everything, but you can't 
just conclude that after this one sentence, they're going to get it. She would like make the sentence into a long paragraph. And then that paragraph, like, and it's like an essay. And, you know, maybe they got it after the first sentence. And you just spend yeah. a lot of time. You no keep reason. explaining and explaining. I see that like sometimes when we see when we have like design discussions on software mm-hmm. or some patterns, some ideas, and you just want to brainstorm. Like you just want to, of course, yeah. you can you can stay at home for a day and think of a design, make a make a diagram, make an explanation, really think it through, and then present it and then discuss it. Mm-hmm. But maybe you just have an idea. Like, hey, how about doing this? Like that's also how you invent stuff and being yeah. able to just go to the kitchen and talk half an hour and maybe nothing comes out of it. Sometimes mm-hmm. actually interesting stuff comes out of it. Yeah. So I love that. And so I think that for Blender, this is even more more useful. Yeah. Um, we will have so much space to <laughs> walk around. <laughs> walk around. So yeah. much, yeah. And uh, there is, uh, the, well, one of the first, the, the first participant of the code quest that is not uh, from uh, the Blender Studio arrived. Yeah. It's Campbell. Campbell hey, arrived. Where, yeah. where, where is he? He's hiding already in the cave. Working. Yeah. yeah. Still jet lagged. Yeah. Yeah. He's working with Sergey, of course. they best buddies. They've been working together for many years. So when they get together, it's like, magic so yeah. they are being extremely productive but uh, yeah for anybody that doesn't know Campbell mm. Barton is like he made half of Lender or at least touched half of the area most of mm. the areas of Lender um, from Beamesh to even the game engine we work together and Joe Frankie um, actually I was counting we were counting uh, four, he worked in four open movies yes but I didn't count Joe Frankie so oh, that is so five, five. Mm. so he worked on Joe Frankie Big Book Bunny Sintel. Yes. And um, <laughs> and in Gooseberry. And in Gooseberry. And in Cosmos. And he was. He, and uh, sorry, the, and uh, Tears of Steel. Tears of Steel. He was, yeah. yeah. Tears so of that Steel. is five. He's yes. even featured in the film itself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's uh, an actor. One of the scientists. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's. Uh, Together with Kier, also the developer yeah. for the motion tracker. Yes. He's there. Cameo. Yeah, too bad uh, Sergey is not there. I would have been. Yeah, <laughs> even Don is there, but he's moved that. Like it, it's it's uh, it's on a out. green screen. Yes, yeah. uh, but he's holding oh, yeah. the robot head that the character hacks in the end. Uh, yeah. Spoiler. Speaking <laughs> of speaking of him, uh, it's his birthday today. It is. Yeah. His congr- birthday. Yeah. Congratulations, Don. Yes. He does not listen to He's, this, I think. We never know, but <laughs> just in case, just in okay. case. Just in yeah, case, hey, happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. 58 years old. Yeah. Wow. Young. Yes. Yes. So, well, Campbell is here. Hopefully we get him into one of the podcasts or there is going to be dedicated developers content. So I'm sure we will be able to see or hear the voice of Campbell and the stuff that he's doing during the code quest uh, in the upcoming weeks. So that's... Uh, it's really great and you know even just getting to know everyone else on the team everyone has different personalities some people are more like public and happy to you know speak and just mm. talk in a microphone some people are more like not um, and but, if you're confusing all of us together he's the one person that has English as a native language <laughs> <laughs> you'll tell yeah yeah, yeah you can yeah. tell so that's gonna be it's gonna be fun I think um I wrote an article uh, with the help, of course, of uh, uh, Pablo, who reviewed it in town as well, uh, about the CodeQuest. Uh, it's called uh, CodeQuest. About the success of a the CodeQuest. Yeah, yes. mm. Code, Blender CodeQuest. Blender 2.8 CodeQuest campaign. Ah, CodeQuest campaign. CodeQuest campaign. Yes. Did you write it? I, yeah, I was like... <laughs> You had to workshop the title sorry, a little bit. Yes, yes. And uh, that, that took a while, sorry. And um, it's public now, right? It's on uh, blender.org. Slash press. 
but we're gonna make it a bit more <laughs> more prominent because it's pretty nice. We're gonna put it on the somewhere. Okay. <laughs> you guys are so pro. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna stack it in somewhere now in the front page uh, in the announcement section. <laughs> that, that's how we. Yes, that's how, how we roll. You just you just had a, a how's it called a glimpse at the editorial process. <laughs> editorial process the, the, the behind. <laughs> I wonder if other projects do it like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. They must. They must. I mean, how can you? Anyway, we tweeted about it. We yes. Facebooked about it. And people saw so it. So we reached at least, it. it is like 55,000 on Facebook. And yeah, a few 16, thousand people maybe have seen it. Uh, maybe 70,000 people. It's just a little recap on the, on the code quest and what happened. And again, like for people who are not familiar with what it is, you can go check out that, that article and mm -hmm. it explains in a very succinct way because it mostly focuses on, of course, how awesome the community has been in supporting the code quest. So it's really like redefining the numbers. The community redefined the numbers of the support, like the, the our financial scheme of how we planned the code quest to happen has been changed by the enormous support that the community has provided. So the community provided over twice what they were expected and that's that's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, and so the article talks a little bit about Yeah, it's more that. of a press release than, yeah. like it doesn't say anything new. Like if you want to know what's going to happen in the code quest, just go to code.blender.org. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But it's good for people to be able to catch up because yeah, not yeah, yeah. everybody's just hitting the refresh button and know what's up. No, you know, exactly. All the, all yeah. The way. Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. It's very nice. Very nice. So that's uh, enough about the Cold Quest. A uh, couple of other things. One is a uh, couple of days ago, it was, well, on Saturday, but a few days ago, it was the World Blender yeah. Meetup Day. Yay. Yay. And uh, we had a representative. We had, we, have, we had no. two, actually. Oh, two? There were two? Yes. No, not me. No, no, okay, no, no, I, uh, I wasn't there, so... I... No, oh, it's Francesco! Hey! Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> we, yeah, well, maybe Pablo can tell what, what happened there. Well, we were giving the tasks to provide with videos, right? And um, we, yeah, we decided to... Okay, what, what can we talk about? Because now we're doing Blender Cloud Live, so we can just talk about Blender Cloud. I just that right but also it would be nice to give a bit more of insight about blender in general right like blender animation studio so what is something we released you know it's been 10 years of uh, open movies mm. so why not talking about the book the art of book so we actually went and uh, for the first time officially we opened the book and went through it and uh, showed it a little bit talked uh, about it and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's actually pretty nice we we sent that video Yes, we even had a dual camera setup, oh. very high tech. Was one of them like kind of tilted and black and white, so you could kind of yeah, that's, switch between. That's for memories. You oh, remember? Yes, right. exactly. remember. The memory cam. Yeah. yeah. No, it yes. was actually even better. It was like a webcam mounted on a microphone stand, taped yes. together, Whoa. and then moved back and forth over the book. So, the so high tech sounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's beautiful. It's, so you can it, it see. It looks exactly like it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> can you yeah. hear like the springs as you're moving it? Actually, no. no. So I was changing the cameras and. Um, and I was moving over. He was moving it over. <laughs> but flipping he, pages. the thing is that in order, you know, if you want to have the book in front of you, you need to mm. have the camera almost on your face. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, you can see Francesco's face half of the time. I am occluded by the camera <laughs> and my hand holding it. Yeah. Anyway, it, but I, anyway, the content yeah. itself is actually pretty nice because it's the first time where we actually go through the book live, like on a video. Yeah. Uh, there's no cuts, no editing in the video, just just continue. So it's actually... Um, yeah, including the pizza delivery moment. Including, well, maybe that's the one thing I edit <laughs> because we were just 
chatting about it and then bam, pizza arrived. Because it was getting very late. I think mm -hmm. it was Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Ding Thursday dong. night. Yeah. Hello, what is this? Is it pizza? <gasps> Pineapple. On top of the pizza. Uh, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, so that's when we order the shawarma and uh, the shawarma pineapple. pineapple. Yeah, mm. pizza. So that was that. That you could have like a fun video reaction of me throwing the pizza around and complaining, but uh, yeah. let's not do that. Plus, and then you made another video. We made another video. We made too. another video. Yes. Yeah, we changed clothes. <laughs> not really. We just remove our hoodies, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then we record another video. Yes, about what is happening at the Blender, the Blender Studio, the Blender Institute. So what mm. what we are doing? Just a little update, you know, like because uh, uh, you assume that the audience of the of the World Blender Meetup Day is like Blender users who don't necessarily follow whatever is happening on every possible channel. So it was like, hey, we are in Amsterdam and we are doing, and we talked about three topics. One was here, the Open Movie. One was Spring, the Open Movie, and one was the Code Quest. So it was just a little recap of. The open movie. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yes. So it was uh, it was very simple. Yeah. It was fun. Just it was very fun. Actually, we <clears throat> we could even publish it, right? Yeah. Why not? I mean, we uploaded it on the on the Blender Cloud YouTube channel, so maybe we could publish it. It's yeah. very conversational, very chilled. So yeah. It uh, so you know we've been talking now for ten minutes about the the World Blender Meetup Day. So maybe a couple of words for who doesn't know what this is. It's like mm -hmm. a the world worldwide. Blender. Uh, online, yeah, Blender related <laughs> online meetup. Meet so <laughs> it's organized by uh, uh, David Andrade and the team at the Theory Studios, mm -hmm. and uh, they provide the platform. They've been connecting and scheduling people from all over the world in the Blender community to create content for a constant live video feed. Mm -hmm. They were publishing and streaming through their website. Initially, it was YouTube. Then they had a little problem, so then they had to switch back to something else. So, like logistically, there were a couple of issues. But the concept is that you have this 24-hour stream of content and a chat where people can just hang out and, and show yeah. stuff. From studios so, all over the world. All over the world and individuals, people doing tutorials, people doing blogs, people mm. doing whatever. It's really like playing short films and stuff like that. Cool. So it's uh, every year and uh, so it's very nice to be uh, I was there. I was there last year, yeah. drunk. It was good. Mm. That's great. I, I had like a beer. It was a Saturday. It was nice. Yes. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's the World Blender Meetup Day. And then uh, finally... Before we get to our theme, uh, Pablo and Sibren, uh, just uh, last week. Pablo and Sibren, yes. Hello. Yeah. Hi, Sibren. Hi, Pablo. They made a video about the Blender Cloud Services. Yes. Yeah. Because two weeks ago, actually, we made another video <laughs> that was about the birthday of the Blender Cloud. We are officially four years old. Blender Cloud yeah. is four years old. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's a toddler. <laughs> That's a long sigh. But yes, we went through most of the things that happened during these four years. But at the when we reached the moment of the services, actually we were already on one hour because so much oh. has happened, right? With open movies and uh, the new training and the texture library and everything. So when we reached the services, we say, okay, let's stop and let's take a whole episode about it and let's get Sivra into it because he yeah. made like 99% of <laughs> <laughs> the things. So we actually did it last week. Yeah. How was it? So yeah, it was fun. Yeah. yeah, just reminiscing about the good old first bit of uh, the cloud I worked on, uh, looking at the features uh, that we still use today. So that's pretty cool. Like two years later, it's flew that time. Yeah, so yeah. in that one hour, we actually went through, we started with a Blender add-on, the Blender Sync, actually, the Blender Cloud add-on that allows you to sync your preferences with the cloud. Without uh, the need of subscri subscription, it's completely free. 
And then we cover more of the things in the add-on, like the texture library add-on, the image sharing, image sharing, um, HDRIs. And I think we stopped there. We didn't even get to the more. Flamenco and yeah. yeah, we oh, couldn't wow. even show that. But there, there's videos if you want to know how is it. There are videos on the Blender Cloud YouTube channel where you can see uh, Francesco actually setting up a, a tracked project from scratch. Yeah, because I mean, at this point, what is Francesco doing? Nobody knows. <laughs> no. <laughs> <I just laughs> I'll write you an email and ask you later. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was it was very very cool. I watched you guys doing it, and of course, also when we were going over the history, like seeing indeed so the, the amount the amount of features. It's uh, mm. it's really it's really good. And now Seaburn has been like you've been working still on cloud related features. Yep. Maybe I you have. can say a couple of things about that. Yes, I what? can. But <laughs> <laughs> so we we have uh, this software called BAM. Uh, which Campbell made to uh, to manage blend files, and so that you can say, "I want to render this file. Give me everything that's necessary for that." Or, "I want to work on the file. Uh, give me everything that's necessary. All the textures, all the character libraries, and everything that's linked by everything else that's linked." Um, and it is showing its age, and there were some issues with it. It was a bit hard to extend, and we want to have a new feature that's very cool. So I've been working on that. The Blender Asset Tracer, which will replace BAM, and made it in a pluggable way so that we can have different plugins for different services. So you are the guy behind the Blender, what is it, BAT? Yep, Yeah. the bat. So you are, in fact, the Batman. I am. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Dr. Batman, that is. <laughs> so basically, that's uh, like one of the new and important features of BAT is that you can indeed collect all the dependencies of a blend file, and instead of simply packing them or zipping them somewhere on a hard disk, you can actually simply specify a destination. It can be yeah. a directory on your local network, it can be something on your hard drive, but it could also be a remote location. Exactly. That's, uh, yeah. And that's pretty cool. And one of the reasons why, of course, this project came to be was also because the BAM project had like a little bit of legacy and it had a bit of a wider scope. So this is like an effort to really focus on that kind of functionality, really keeping track of assets, keeping track of Blender-specific resources yeah. and collecting them. Because the previous project was also trying to deal with asset management itself, which is something else. It's for another, yeah. it's a, it's another scope. So it's so, trying to simplify it and focus it, right? Yeah, I'm, f I'm feeling very luxurious right now because it's not that often that you get a bit of software that's been used for a couple of productions already. So we already know now what is good, what is bad, which parts we wanted thought we wanted to have but actually never use and which parts we actually do use so i can make something new that just focuses on what we need and is sleek and new and shiny so as a developer that's very cool to have something that actually is an example of how you want it to be or what you want it to be but not how you want it to be because you want it to be new and shiny <laughs> polished <laughs> yeah that's that's always fun yeah so that's that's great. So that's already public, and I think right now you're still working on a more like personal uh, repository. But this will become like official and in the developers' channels. Yes, absolutely. Very soon. Yeah. So that's. Uh, I guess it will be announced and it will be more public. So what is what what impact does it have on Blender Cloud subscribers at the moment, or when it? When it comes out, well, we still have to think. I don't know how far we are on the pricing. Because of course it's not a something that we can offer for free. 
you can just render your stuff in the cloud. It, it costs money. So current, uh, probably you'll have to have some extra subscription or. So on uh, for Blender Cloud subscribers, this means that right now it's it's a first step. So for Blender Cloud subscribers at the moment, it doesn't mean a lot, but it means that in the future, when we uh, expand our Services, rendering yeah. rendering uh, uh, possibilities with uh, uh, like your own uh, rendering infrastructure or maybe external rendering infrastructure, we can actually uh, you can benefit from that because storage is one of the key points that we are starting to work with on the Blender Cloud itself to really tackle this in a proper way, uh, which is, of course, what already started with the SVN uh, management uh, that Sibren implemented in the cloud and really being able to handle your assets and, uh, and and to do things like, for example, rendering or sharing them in a more controlled way um, via the cloud. So that is uh, is a first step in that direction, which I think it's one of the things that is really going to tie together all of the Blender Cloud services. And that's one of our goals for this year with the Blender Cloud. So this will make Flamenco be able to use these files from, for example, from yes. Amazon. Yeah. And it could render in the future maybe any other render service that is using the same infrastructure, yeah. S3, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. And also, I believe Google Cloud Storage has an S3 compatibility layer. Yeah. So we might also be able to hook into that. To, look, to, to use Google Cloud. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's the bright future of uh, cloud services, and we will talk about that in the upcoming Any episodes, eta? in the upcoming Any videos. Estimates? No, we don't do it. No, no, no release. Come will on, be. We, movies have premiere dates mm. and deadlines. Yeah. And posters. And posters. Yeah, we should have a poster for a flamenco. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. Oh, be fun. Yes. yes. Yeah. People, if you're listening and you want to make a poster for Flamenco, <laughs> posters or, for software, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's Blender fun. poster. That would be awesome with all the game. with all the characters, with all the updates, all the open movies, <laughs> all, all the, developers. the splash screens merged. Oh. Mm. I wish I could. I knew how to draw. Franken screen. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish actually. Imagine I can already picture some of the splash screens like working together, like all from 2.4 with like the one with the wave. The the water one with the from Mike oh. Pan or the ones with the red cubes two forty five or the bunny or like an Escher drawing like something that everything is tied together mm. yeah and, and it becomes something something oh. else you know like those movie posters where the characters are standing on top of each other they don't make any sense but wow, wow. yeah I'm sorry I'm just dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> great so coming soon uh, in I the hope. store. <laughs> Fan poster of Blender. That would be great. Well, mm -hmm. we, we don't even sell our own posters because Maybe they're hard to, sh but they're hard to ship. Yeah, they're expensive to ship. Well, it's there like, are, well, that's why the same reason we don't make uh, mugs mm. because they're. But there are companies ship. that print uh, books on request, right? And yeah, then they wrong, just yeah. handle the shipping as well. Yeah, so maybe for it. posters. Yeah, actually, you can uh, you can get most of the posters on Blender Cloud, so you can print your own. But it would be nice if we would do it too. Yeah. yeah. Do we sell them at the conference? No. Sometimes. Some, that, uh, sometimes. Sometimes. Like because we print them, we have them there, but it's not made on. Because for the same reason, people have troubles carrying a pipe. Yeah, they are yeah. It's better still than, than, yeah. than doing. But yeah, well, uh, people that come by train, it's not too high. Yeah. yeah. I actually brought posters all the way to Patagonia, in Argentina. <laughs> I remember the Caminandes. Are you I have. I have in my home. I have uh, Sintel, Caminandes. Uh, all the and, way. Uh, so yeah. awesome. Except your Frankie, because I never made it. Oh, one of these days. One of these days. When we, uh, 
when we move somewhere else. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. Just sometime in the future. Yeah. Yes. Okay, let's talk about idols. Mm-hmm. Actually, Shalti doesn't want to talk about idols. Shalti wants to talk about... <clears throat> I don't know, the, the, the people you admired uh, back in the day and like you just kind of look back on your life and all the different influential people that you had around you. Um, I mean, of course, the definition of an idol like is that you idolize them and, and I, I never really had anyone like that uh, where, you know, it's that you just worship everything they do and they're all brilliant on every level because everybody's a human being. And, you know, even if, I don't know, some animator makes something amazing, maybe he like punches his dog at home or something. I don't know, you know, so <laughs> you shouldn't, you know, you, you, you need to also just uh, kind of um, accept that nobody's, 100% perfect. Absolutely. Except um, Tom Hanks. Ah, amazing guy. <laughs> <laughs> Such an amazing guy. So, um, so yeah, so uh, Francesco asked me to do a little, little, you know, thing and... Uh, write a little essay. Yeah, write a little essay. No, so I, I just made a list. I actually had five. I added one. So I have six different people. Um, and this is me being very honest about like looking back into my life and what were the some some of the more influential people that I just happened to stumble upon one way or the other that kind of led to where I am? I don't I don't necessarily mean in animation. I just mean kind of in general, uh, because it would be very easy to just define this thing as like, what are the thing like what are the people that you admire right now, or you know whatever look up to in the industry or whatever. But that's I don't I didn't take that this question as that. So uh, the first one. So this is in no particular order necessarily, but the first one would definitely be my cousin, Atli. He's, uh, he's uh, two years older than me. And as we were growing up in the little fishing village where we grew up, um, he was definitely like a, a really cool guy to me. You know, I looked up to him a lot and I was hanging out with him a lot. And, you know, being two years older, of course, you, know, you look up to him. And he was really into computers, but he happened to be also kind of a cool guy. So, you know, it just, I don't know, it's something about like computers and I became fascinated by it, but also not just playing games. I mean, he would play games, but the fascinating thing was that he would dive into all these other things, like this thing called Photoshop. And then he would be using these filters and then he figured out a way of downloading more filters and whatnot. And uh, things like- He was a hacker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, there was like, uh, he was using IRC. It's like, what? What is? I can communicate with other people. You know? <laughs> it's uh, just mind blown. So in, in many aspects, uh, of course. And then later, he, um, he when he was going for college, he went to a college to study computer science. He actually, uh, he actually didn't graduate, but I kind of followed into his footsteps because I didn't know what to do. And computer science sounded you know, dorky enough for something that I would like. Yeah. So I kind of went into that. And of course, then from there, you know, I graduated all, all that stuff yeah, and, yeah. you know. Um, other people. So uh, there's this guy who's kind of this comedian guy, but he's also, he's a very intellectual guy, but um, he, his name is Zev Frank. I don't know if you know this guy. He, he became kind of a, an internet famous guy in 2001 before that really was a thing. Internet fame. Internet fame, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think he, it was something to do with he, he uh, was going to make like, um, he had a birthday party and he made this little flash thing or whatever of just footage of him dancing really, you know, weird white man dancing or whatever. And that and he put that as the invitation and you could hover over different dance styles and you could see him changing or whatever. And that thing became viral, which meant, meant that his invitations to his birthday party 
became a viral link that everybody had. It was very funny. So, um, so later on, he had this little uh, show where he dedicated one year of his life, where every weekday he would he would publish one video, and uh, and this became kind of his full time job. And the videos were always relatively high quality. They were only like they were between maybe five to ten minutes. But man, it was fascinating. He would like write songs. He would he would not mind looking kind of goofy. You know what I mean? And and he his background is actually um, um, what do you call it? like the history of science or whatever. So he was actually a very edu- well educated guy, and he could articulate things so great. Uh, I don't know. It, I just something about that inspired me because you can like you can do all these different things and just not care that you look silly. Yeah, like and the combination of dedication and focus yeah. and like, I mean, even taking advantage of that because you know that that gives that quirky quality to your content yeah. that maybe not everybody has. Exactly. Because people sometimes shy away from that. Yeah, and, and if you always just, show the best version of yeah, yourself, then yeah. there's some um, like some level of sincerity that gets lost. Yeah. And in this case, all the sincerity was there. Like in the, the last episode, like, you know, he was so grateful for all the people that have been like watching and like this, you know, little, uh, I don't know, like community. Yeah. The little community that he had been kind of working towards. So it was a very cool guy. Very cool. And like, like one of his big, biggest things was to make little projects that would combine people around the world. So he met, he had this idea of, um, he had this map of the world and you would put a slice of bread down on the ground and you would mark where you did it and you would try to find somebody on the other side of the world to make an earth sandwich. And like they successfully made, I think, at least one earth sandwich. It's very hard. Like I was in Iceland and, you know, this is like other side of the world. It's like just off the coast of New Zealand. So I can't really, you know, yeah. uh, it doesn't really work. Um, one kind of a maybe cliche guy is uh, Carl Sagan. Oh. Really? Like, and still to yeah. this day, I will watch Cosmos the uh, the the yeah, TV show he made back in the day. I mean, you know, the dude isn't perfect, but man, like the guy, his passion for like science and exploring the world and trying to educate people and trying to just articulate things. He was way, you know, um, he was way ahead of his time, yeah, exactly. I would say, because you watch Cosmos today and, you know, it's from like the 70s and he's talking about like warning about global warming or like, you know, climate change in general or, you know, just um, how you have to protect the, the environment and this and that. And it's like, man, like most of the things he, he was saying there in like a casual form, full on became the issues later on, like 20 years later. So that's cool. That's cool. Um, there's this one guy that uh, I was listening to a lot. of. I'm a podcast junkie. So, so I've been listening to podcasts for, you know, I don't know, 10 years, more than that. And uh, there was this Ottawa... Ottawa Film Animation Film Festival, I think. It's called uh, Ottawa International Animation Festival. And they made a podcast that just took some of their speeches, like keynote speeches and whatnot, and just dumped it there as content. But because the this thing was only once a year, they, they kind of didn't, you know, it wasn't a continuous stream. But I just happened to subscribe to that thing and I listened to one episode that was basically just a 2009 keynote speech. And it was by a guy called Josh Selig. Uh, called. I mean, he's probably still alive. I have no idea. <laughs> so the thing is, this guy is um, a producer for a company in New York, an animation company. And they mostly did stuff for kids, but uh, 
thing is, I've never seen any of his work. I've never seen the work of his company. I don't know what this guy looks like, but I listened to that keynote speech and so many times. Like I've probably listened to it a hundred times. What? Yeah. Wow. What does he talk about? It's uh, the the thing is, that it just talks about like he talks about the highs and lows in the industry and how oh. how even though with all the different perception of clashes, we're really all in this together. And uh, also, he 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 told a tiny little story about how he, he used to be a kind of a street performer or whatnot, and uh, he was performing in front of a theater. And then Dom De Luis, which is a famous actor, he's, I think he's passed away now. He he came walking by after like one of his theater things or whatever, and um, he he was um, he walked up to him, and he was like he was kind of looking at his performance, and he was kind of gauging it. And of course, there's a lot of pressure because this is kind of a celebrity looking at your thing. And then he he stepped up to the guy and he said, um, "You're like all your props." You have them very neatly laid out in front of you. That shows a lot of respect to the viewer and a lot of respect to the profession. That's great. Now your shirt is not tucked in. And in show business, everything matters. Everything matters. Like everything matters. So um, so he was just saying that like since then, it always rang in his head that when you're making something for a viewer, like all these details that is so easy to brush off, like he's, he's making maybe a children's show and one of the characters needs to uh, be playing a flute. But then like, does it matter that it's a flute or it's a jazz flute? Well, it does. Like all of these little things, <laughs> they add up to the experience for the viewer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, there's just something about that really struck a chord with me. And I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Francesco's like laughing it out. Ah, I see. It reminds me of somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I would highly recommend uh, trying to dig that up. I'm, we, I can maybe find a link to that mm-hmm. thing because I know it's a very obscure thing. And I, I remember I had a link to it at one point and it was like the only link that would work. All the other links are broken. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it would be very inspiring. Um, last two. Uh, first of all, Don Hertzfeld, which... Francesco, I know. I, I forced I forced Francesco to watch uh, Everything's Gonna Be Alright or Everything's Gonna Be Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I, everything I don't know. was not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, right. it's a very heartfelt story. So this is a this is a filmmaker from America and he makes these kind of kind of quirky but insanely sincere animation uh, short films. And they have been like nominated for an Oscar and whatnot. And it's not that, it's just a matter of the, he's he's basically drawing stick figures. So it's not that like he's this amazing artist on the level of, you know, whatever, Disney animators or whatever. It's that the thing he does has more heart than most of the fancy stuff I see. But he's, you know, he somehow manages to convey that. And that, I felt that was very inspiring and it still kind of inspires me today when I see his stuff because he never really kind of sold out. Like he was offered... A lot of money to do like commercials for I don't know Pringles or Doritos or something, and he's just always like no, like I, and he, you know, I think like he kind of makes a living maybe just from this, you know, and it's probably not a lot of money because really making short films you don't make a lot of money yeah. doing it, yeah. but he's happy and he like he brings something to the world, 
and it's just him and a piece of paper and a pencil, you know, and a scanner, I guess, whatever. <laughs> um, and the last guy is uh, Bill Bryson. He's a writer. He's an, um, he's an amazing writer. He um, He's written uh, a few books that are very inspirational to me. But he's he not he doesn't do like fiction or inspiration or whatever. But he does um, he condenses a lot of knowledge into a book that are interesting. Like he, uh, my favorite book of all time is is called A Short History of Nearly Everything, mm, and yeah. it's, a, it's a very thick book. But it's not written in a dry way, so you actually are very entertained through, throughout the entire thing. He's talking about how do we know the things we know. So he'll take any science topic and he'll actually talk about how they discovered that thing and really show the human behind the discovery. So whether it's like some Dutch guy that's making like the first microscope and then he's like putting everything under that microscope and like announcing to the world, like I've discovered this. And in a lot of cases, like the definition wasn't good enough to actually, you know, <laughs> be what he's claiming to see. Yeah. But uh, he's still like in the forefront of, that discovery. Yeah. So it's really cool. I think he thought that um, when he saw like little, I don't know, he's, he when he was looking at like bodily fluids or something, he saw uh, something that was like dancing around. So he, he thought it was m tiny animals. So and I think that's where the uh, molecule, animalcule or whatever like came from or whatever. It was like a bastardization of that. Uh, don't quote me on that. I, uh, I <laughs> won't. I vaguely remember that. But yeah, it's fascinating. Fascinating. And that's it. That's uh, that's yeah. a pretty wide uh, collection. Okay, I think and, you uh, won the topic. A nice, uh, nice <laughs> issue. I was just thinking in terms of the timing that uh, it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's very nice. I think that then we can combine uh, the uh, remaining idols in an equivalent amount of time that... Uh, uh, I am sorry. <laughs> if I, it, went it was very, over very, my time. No, no, it was it was. I great. shall yield the rest of my time to the senator. Fantastic. To my Actually, I'm going to ask you for some links. Oh, yeah, yeah, right on. Sibren, you were writing some things down. Did you yeah. think of something? Yeah, I, I wrote down uh, three names, so my list is a little bit shorter. Yeah. Um, and the first one, when I go think back of what has been influencing me, uh, especially early on, I was uh, Midos Deckers. He is a biologist. And I think it was also him, who wrote, together with somebody else, who wrote a little green book with all kinds of experiments that you could do as a kid. Um, so you could go around, explore the world, see these crazy things happening um, in your own kitchen. And that was quite a drive for my scientific point of view and for just doing stuff, seeing what happens. Yeah. Um, and still, when I when I hear him talk, it, it feels like a little bit like my my cool uncle uh, <laughs> explaining the world. Wow. So he's still alive. He's he still is. Old. He is absolutely. And um, he was actually lecturing as uh, an event that was. Uh, my wife was also there. She is a dietitian, so it was all like food oriented, which also hints on the, the biology aspect of this man. And he uh, talked about people as being uh, sacks of poo. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And about how sometimes when you look at somebody, certain aspects of the person don't matter at all. Mm. If there's a beautiful lady or a beautiful guy sitting next to you, you don't necessarily think of them as a sack of poo sitting yeah. and, and almost leaking. <laughs> not necessarily, uh, yes. No, so no. Uh, it was, it, it's an inspirational man. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, um, and then uh, the next guy is a drummer. Uh, and so am I. I've been drumming since I was 12. Mm -hmm. And I've also been listening to the music of Dumar uh, 
for, for pretty much my entire life. Uh, so René van Kolm is their drummer. And I'm actually so lucky as to have had 45 minutes of drumming lessons. No way. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that was really awesome. Yeah. Uh, and his style of drumming is really uh, focused on supporting the band, of putting down this rhythm that is uh, not overpowering, mm. but just giving just enough accents to to touch upon what the other guys are doing and to give that basis for other people to, to really shine on. Mm. And I think that even influenced my uh, software design, where I really want to give people something that they can work with and that they can cool, do very cool stuff with. Uh, as well as putting the emphasis on the collaboration of it. That's yeah, definitely. Cool. Definitely. Yeah. So that's number two. And then more on topic of actual software is uh, Leng Tolovlid. He is one of the teachers at the University of Amsterdam. Mm. Uh, one of the professors there. And he gave me the course Algorithm and Complexity. Mm. So he taught me that pretty much everything is difficult. Even counting is difficult. He would go around saying, oh yeah, well, he said counting is difficult, everybody laughs. Because everybody knows, yeah, one, two, three, it's really simple. Uh, especially when you're doing computer science at university level. Yeah, 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 yeah we can count. <laughs> and then he would come up with these relatively simple algorithms. And say, okay, given N input elements, how many steps does this algorithm take? Mm. And we got wildly different answers. Hmm. And that was really interesting to see. Like, oh, wait, yeah, you are right. Counting is difficult. Mm. Um because of that course, I also started with Python because we were asked to do an RSA implementation. So RSA is an encryption method that uses huge prime numbers. So if you have a language that supports arbitrarily big numbers natively without doing anything mm. difficult, that was Python. So that would make my life a bit easier. Uh, so also because of that course, I started working with Python which in, uh, well, I've been using ever since pretty much <laughs> on a daily basis. So that was also very influential. Wow, cool. That's cool. Yeah. So that's my, my short list. That's very wow. nice. I like how, how personal it is. And yeah. uh, also like how everybody's Dutch. In your <laughs> list, or, yeah. 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 And I mean, and you met all the people too. In the I, I haven't met Mitos Dekos yet, ah, okay. but I would, I would love to. Okay. Okay. But still like it's reachable. Like yeah yeah that's uh, that's very cool that's nice yeah one of these days I'm gonna meet Carl Sagan so so Pablo. Pablo do you have any like uh, no. given what you given what you heard because you were like no I I don't have any people I look up to I I've been thinking the whole time <laughs> I mean even with uh, with with Hialti suggestions and, uh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah yeah no I'd uh, have a very hard time but it was was it because because like because you know when I when I thought about this 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 topic it was not necessarily you know to name drop people and you know tell their bio or something like that I was more interested in the fact of uh, was there any ideally person related but like something that you like episode in your life that uh, uh, something that happened there that you think influenced you for you know in a significant way well there, there is lots of people that have influenced me I guess uh, because sometimes it's like that work but you don't know who they were 
like you know yeah well i mean i liked cartoons so i like those uh like you, you look up those names mm. and uh, uh when i was a kid i always liked uh, like i mentioned in the past um the chuck jones cartoons for the coyote and roadrunner yeah mm-hmm. but then but then mm-hmm. years later i remember seeing this tom and jerry version of like a different version of the tom and jerry's and i hated them like mm-hmm. it looks like ugly and that was him right? and that was chuck jones oh. it's like why does tom looks like evil yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like a grinch i don't know it's like evil why why and then i saw it's the same dude that actually was directing the other ones yeah but he also made bugs bunny that i loved it and so it's like you were yes, confused i was confused <laughs> so that that is like yeah you admire some but yeah it's not ex- yeah you admire an aspect of what he did but yeah not but I admire actually did. yeah his his jokes mainly not yeah. not the the visual aspect of it so yeah. that that teaches about yeah admiring you actually what I admire is the the ideas but maybe it's not maybe the art director was really good in that mm-hmm. one thing that you saw so you think you like that but maybe you like something else yeah right. That yeah, that happens yeah. with the that's totally yeah yeah with with many things and then yeah in in three like D in particular I yeah I think one of the f- yeah one of the first names and and that I will follow and I will go to his website and update all the time was actually Daniel Martinez Lara oh. he's um, he's he's huge he's always been big in the in the Spanish, especially Spanish in the Spanish community, community. Mm. so you go, you see this uh, amazing test, uh, his early Arnold tests, and, Arnold, and yeah, that was mind blowing. And it's, how can you do that? And then he won't have a website that it was only like one. I remember, stripe. yeah, thin stripe, very a long thin stripe, <laughs> and it was like how you can make websites like that, like they're <laughs> not <out>. full, well, <laughs> yeah, full width. And then it it will have this character, and then if you click in the privates of that character, mm. it, was, it was stick fig a stick figure, so it didn't look Reveal like anything. anything. Yeah. But you mouse over, and then it will become a hand. You click on it, and then it had a funny video, like nothing. It was like thing. It was a funny <laughs> video. It wasn't even like dirty or anything. It's yeah. just that. So it was like, wow, yeah, amazing. And then, <laughs> That's so cool. and then over time, I didn't hear about him. But until then, he started doing Blender stuff. And yeah, he's always been an inspiration to see how much work he puts into like actually caring about the tools and developing for years. Now, Chris Pencil, we see Hero as like, yeah, it's a Hero production. It started a few months ago. No, actually, it brings a lot of work from many, many years ago. Yeah. So that dedication is actually uh, amazing. And after meeting him in person and hanging out and everything is really, uh, yeah, it's uh, actually, a, I realize now that, yeah, when I was a kid, that was one of the reasons. Yeah. Kid as in 12, 15. Yeah, yeah. Um, to to look into that. And yeah, I don't know what else I could, I'm not really, I'm blanking right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's cool. But I think it's very interesting. Like it, it reminds me indeed of when you find out People like I, I don't even remember for myself. There was this one. It's more of an inspiration thing, but there was this website. I don't remember the name. It was like a collection of, you know, motion graphics. So mm-hmm. they would just post news about motion graphics. It was like I don't know, maybe almost ten years ago. So for me, it was still early internet days because mm-hmm. I didn't really use that much internet. And just the thought of yeah, go every day to check what did people do, 
what's new and like there will be these new things advertising and and of any kind of thing and i would just uh, love them because they would come from all over the place and uh and it was a great inspiration because you would never know what, what you would find there so mm. then you discover new people or things like that but i i wouldn't even dig that much into it i was more more like just looking just checking yeah. out what people are yeah, doing yeah. yeah i remember I mean, wow so good like, there was uh, the blender magazine back in the day and i would also check out there the work andy was like a huge inspiration was like amazing <laughs> when i met him during plumiferos in Buenos Aires, was, I could barely speak any English. <laughs> I was like, wow, I want to ask all this stuff. And I barely could. <laughs> but yeah, all, yeah, it's that's been a pretty big. So cool. Yeah. Cool. So Francesco, um, you're the only one left. So oh, yeah. I have my own prediction list. Are you Just ready? Go. Yeah, yeah okay. I want to know. Leonardo, Michelangelo, Rafael. <laughs> Donatello and Super Mario. <laughs> How long? Like Vin Diesel? No. <laughs> so, um, actually, one you got it right. Super Mario. That's not Super the best Mario. Plumber. No, what? No. Mamma oh. mia! Mamma mia! <laughs> um, I thought I actually, you know, just uh, dropped like for every. 10 years, mm. uh, well, not really every 10 years, but like three, four parts of my life. And I thought, okay, what I was really, not really obsessed with, but I think I went back to these people many times and I, I think I was very inspired by them. And I think when I was, uh, when I was very little, I discovered classical music and I loved uh, Beethoven. Mm. So I, uh, you know, I, I had, my, my parents had a little collection of classical music. It wasn't that much. There was a, a bit of a classical and, and then romantic music. So it was, you know, from Vivaldi to Bach to Mozart. And Mozart, of course, was like, when I was very little, I loved it because it's so easy to understand. Yeah, it's more happy. It, you, just, you just enjoy it. It's, really? uh, it's, it's really... Like from all the big... That's your... Mozart was... Mozart, when I, when I was very little, it was... It was Amazing! It was amazing. It's like music that speaks to you. It was it was so good. And um, and and really like as a as a child, you you naturally enjoy it because it's so playful. But then when I when I was like a bit later, I discovered Beethoven, and uh, I think I loved like it's more dramatic, of course, because it's more romantic. Like it's the transition between the classical phase where everything is round and everything is you know, with a, with a very nice defined shape, it becomes more like emotional and more unexpected and something happens. And, mm. and, I, and, and I remember listening to the music and having goosebumps all the time. Like I would wow. listen to the symphonies and I would just, every time, yeah. it was, uh, <laughs> it was I, yeah, I, I, I didn't speak German, so I didn't really understand like some, you know, some, some of the, some, some things of lyrics. But it was just also like so primal, so inspiring, uh, just uh, imagining and, and, and try to picture with my head what, what, what was he thinking when he was making this, you know? And, uh, and, and, and you know, that, that, that's one of, the, one of the musicians that then really led me into learning classical music. Uh, mm. That for, was, was, a, was, a huge, uh, was a huge inspiration. And uh, later on also, you know, you, you study their life and learn what they did. And, and that was when I discovered what he did like uh, <clears throat> my parents had this book about the life of musicians it was a school book from my mother mm. so it's a relatively 
old music book. So I remember reading it and there was like the life of these different composers. And I remember reading the life of Beethoven and I discovered that at some point during his life, when he was in his 20s, started becoming deaf. Mm. Like, you know, we are like around 30 something. Like at our age, he was deaf. Like, yeah, and exactly. he was making music. I couldn't, like, it, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, uh, I couldn't imagine how that, that, that must be. And, uh, and later on, I also learned about how his life was like that he, you know, his family, like he was really pushed. Uh, he was really, uh, he of course was a genius, but uh, he worked so hard. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I found very inspiring. Contrary to other musicians who really like, you know, like Bach or Mozart, you could really see there like fountains of ideas and, and just pure otherworldly talent. Uh, Beethoven really, I mean, of course he had that too, but like mm. it, the, the spirit of his music really shows the struggle. Like he was really expressing the struggle of the artist and really how hard they had to, to get those things done and the labor and, and, and the fact that he had this handicap that really prevented him from, from having a completely normal life. So I always found him some, yeah. something, something really, really cool. Later on when I was in my teenage years, of course uh, I, I, I discovered more about Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci, yeah. and uh, that was, uh, you know, when you got, when you are into the, into that phase that you want to know everything, like, yeah. just how does this work? Like, how are we made inside? Why is the sky blue? Why are the leaves on the trees and stuff like that? And discovering there was a dude who was wondering all those <laughs> things that made drawings of all of that, <laughs> and he was drawing so well. I was like, wow, so good. Uh, it was uh, yeah, I found I found some books about him, and then I was reading about his life, and it's uh, it, it was always very inspired. I was copying his drawings. I really loved like the the, the his, his his drawing style, and I was really copying it and drawing it myself in class when I was getting bored and stuff like that. Um, wow! It was it was uh, it was very fascinating. I am that current- guy is so annoying. Also, it's like so talented on so many levels. It's <laughs> yeah, kind of annoying. Like you're reading about his life, and it's like oh, he's also a great painter. Oh, that's yeah, great yeah. for him. Oh, he also does these mechanisms. Oh, wow, that's amazing! Yeah, yeah. Wait, he also does that. Oh, wait, what? Like, yeah, yeah, he was he was a musician too. Yeah. Like I recently, I'm reading right now the the biography like uh, from uh, uh, Walter Isaacson. Uh, he wrote recently a biography about Leonardo, and it's very interesting because it is a very uh, um, narrative and uh, an honest approach. Like uh, mm-hmm. Walter Isaacson is a biographer. He wrote a bunch of bios about, uh, I don't know, Kissinger or Steve Jobs uh, and uh, other uh, famous people and really dived into Leonardo without having really a background in art history or something like that. So he really mm-hmm. went diving for all the sources and he tells it like it's a story and uh, and I, I'm really enjoying it. I discovered some things I didn't know about him. That's cool. And um, finally- what's the, what's the name of that? The, the the book you mean? Yeah, Leonardo yeah. da Vinci is Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, come on, man! <laughs> I couldn't have come up with a better name that's more unique. Okay, two more, really quick. One is when I started university, I had to learn. Uh, I, I decided to go and study uh, industrial design, and uh, I was uh, studying different industrial designers, and uh, I discovered about. Uh, I, I learned about Bruno Munari. He's a very famous Italian designer and inventor and uh, uh, an artist. And um, what I loved about him is that uh, he he wrote a lot of books about design. Like when you when you ask yourself what is design, mm-hmm. it's a very broad and weird topic. He, he shows like he, his thoughts and his approach 
to what it means to make something, to like design for him, like it means to um, make something in a certain way with a certain functionalities, like the, the you know, the, the combination of, uh, uh, for example, you know, the, the classical form follow, follows functions. It's not something from him, but like approaching design from a very human point of view and telling stories with objects and giving experiences to people. And uh, I really liked how, you know, he's, a, he's Italian, so he wrote these books uh, mostly himself. So I really like how plainly he was communicating these concepts that were fairly new to me. Um, and they became, you know, ever everlasting in the world of design and industrial design, which is mm. recent, like uh, relatively recent. Which is what you studied. Yeah. <clears throat> there is one, one fun thing about Bruno Monari is like at some point, he had to build uh, a lamp and uh, he was just trying to figure out how to do different lamps, different manufacturing processes and stuff like that. So there is one lamp that is very famous from him that is basically some discs of metal or plastic of the diameter of around, uh, like it's a circle, uh, diameter of around 10, 12 centimeters. Uh, and, uh, and it's like a pipe of itself. The diameter of the pipe is uh, one centimeter or so. Mm -hmm. And uh, he stuck them up uh, together, well, and, and he had to build a structure to hold these things suspended and uh, to have some sort of a net that would connect them, to connect these circles. And he decided to use the uh, material that you use stockings for, like the mm. kind of lycra uh, material, and just build this very unique organic looking lamp out of these two simple industrial materials. And it looks really like a modern design. It's like timeless design. And mm. I was like, wow. So with these two materials, with these two pre-made things that you didn't need to study anything, you didn't need to manufacture almost anything, you can actually make a mass producible object. Mm. I was very fascinated. Um, we've been mostly mentioning uh, guys in our list of, yeah, uh, of uh, idols. I so I, um, there is one more person that I thought... Uh, um, that I always found very inspiring. When I was a kid, I was also watching uh, documentaries and sometimes they were interviewing scientists. And one of these scientists uh, is uh, Rita Levi-Montalcini. She's also an Italian neurobiologist. She won the Nobel Prize a few years ago for some research that she did. Mm. And uh, well, she died not too long ago, 103 years wow. old. Damn. She was elected a senator for life in the Italian parliament. And when she was like 90, 100, she still was there <laughs> voting and doing no stuff. Way. And she was doing interviews and she was there with her mind. It was uh, insane. Wow. And uh, she's been like, uh, I mean, a, a woman that, you know, she worked in the world of science, which at the time, <laughs> during the course of her long life evolved a lot. And especially when she started out, it was really tough to be a woman in that kind of world. And, uh, and she's, she's, very famous uh, in Italy, at least for what she did and the innovations that she that she brought, and how she tried to really foster the the, the, the community and push like uh, uh, women to get into the field of uh, scientific research and and uh, and stuff like that, mm. and that she decided to become involved in politics. So she was very very visible, and uh, I really loved I really loved her like for what for what she did. I always found her really inspiring because. To me, she was always like an old lady. I mean, <laughs> since I knew her yeah. and she just kept existing for a long part of my life as this old lady that was, that was doing these things and she was uh, incredibly uh, inspiring. So yeah, these are 
just uh, a few people. I mean, we could stay here all day talking about yeah, this. But, definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we learned something. We have yes. lists of links from everybody. <laughs> yeah. And um, I would say, again, if you want us to talk about something, uh, if you have any news regarding the world of Blender, this is the Blender uh, Animation Studio podcast after all, mm -hmm. uh, again, you can drop us a line at uh, uh, podcast.blender.cloud and uh, we will see you the next time. Wait, wait, wait. What about the questions from the last blog? Podcast. Blogcast. Blogcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, of course, we're going to answer those. Let's, we'll, let's do it. Bring yeah. it on. We'll yeah, well, actually, one of them is about the depth graph and, and it's a bit more technical. So, and I leave it to Twitter. <laughs> uh, yes. Sergey on Twitter. Hashtag right, Sergey on Twitter. Yep. <laughs> yes. Then, um, well, one just mentions uh, Stephen Thomas says, uh, great podcast as always. That's Thank great. You. And we you, we mentioned that Blender is always available on Steam, always and it's uh, always up to date. Mm. He's wondering why on Ubuntu, uh, for example, the Ubuntu software, why it's Blender and most other software always behind. Mm. Mm, I have yeah. No idea who is maintaining that. No, I do know that the Ubuntu is based on Debian, or at least used to be based on Debian. Uh, but I actually chose it back in the day uh, because it has had newer packages than Debian did. Yeah. Um, so a lot of testing goes into these uh, packages, into these Linux distributions to make sure that they're stable and that all the libraries actually work together with all the software that uses the libraries. Um, so it can be tricky to upgrade something. To, to a newer version or uh, it can mean that there is a half year or a year of testing going on between picking a new version and actually releasing the Ubuntu yeah. that contains that version um, and then yeah from our perspective we use master we don't use a like here in the studio we don't use a particular release of Blender so sometimes I'm even amazed how long it can take for me as a developer to put a feature in Blender and then for Blender to actually be released with that feature. Mm -hmm. uh, and then again, you get another of such a step before it's actually bundled with a, a, a rapidly releasing uh, Linux distribution. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's it's older. Yeah, well, then also because we don't know exactly who is maintaining it. <laughs> At yeah. least I don't know, and I consider myself being a bit involved in the <laughs> Blender release part like when when like we know at least who does the Mac version the um, here I'm looking at it mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the Steam also you're looking at the person doing the Steam releases Francesco yeah. and yeah. Uh, Martin is doing the Windows one right I or? think so yeah, yeah. and then uh, Sergey and Campbell Campbell actually does uh, yeah, Sergey is doing so and Campbell yes it's pretty much under control but I'm not sure about Ubuntu or even how would it work or anything so mm. no I think the 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 distributions they're pretty much on themselves picking yeah. out software and bundling and testing and uh, mm. it's also bundled in a format that we don't release so they have to take our release and then yeah. repack it to a Debian file. And yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I also have some uh, Python packages that are actually bundled with Ubuntu. Nobody ever contacted me about it or asked me if I wanted to help out with doing that or whatever. They just pick it and use it and build it, mm -hmm. which is awesome because it's no burden on us to yeah. also do that. 
Really? So you can do sudo apt whatever and then get your stuff? Yeah, I've got install Python dash RSA. That's mine. And that's yours? Yeah. Bam, wow, awesome. Okay, next question. Yes, go. Blender cloud related. So it's good that we have here the main developers. Any news on, organiza- on organizations? Mm-hmm. How is the beta testing is going and when is going to go, going to go live? Organizations. The beta testing is going Great. 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 We are getting great responses from the beta testers. And to be honest, we don't have a lot of them. But uh, actually, a few people have been uh, testing it out and um, I've been following up with uh, most of the people and getting some uh, some help from Sebron to make sure that, you know, on the technical side, everything works. And uh, I think that so far, everything has been working fine. Like, we still have to finalize some more business-related size, accounting-related size, uh, side uh, aspects of it, and uh, as soon as that's figured out, we I think we will be ready to uh, start rolling it out. Estimated. Don't make promises at the Blender animation. So no, basically, the t- technical side is there; it's working. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a matter of putting a price on it, price tag, and putting it out there. Well, yeah, and there's also the technical side of the the whole billing, because you want to have one organization with one bill paying for like. 25 or 30 or 100 uh, users. Yeah. Uh, right now, with the store as it is, uh, it's fiddly. Yep. So it might be nice if we have something for that as well. But that that's also a slightly technical side on the store. On the store itself. Yeah. But on the cloud itself, I think it's pretty much done. Yes. Wow. So close. Yeah, very close. <laughs> yeah. Very close. Okay, next question. Next. Would it be possible, uh, is attract. Would it be possible to add shots directly from the attract web interface, like assets and tasks? Uh, yeah. Uh, there was a reason why we haven't done it. Um, because it requires even more syncing. And right now, what, what would you expect when you add, create a, a shot in attract when you open your blend file that is generally used for uh, attract should it create a new strip should you manually create a strip and then link it to the new thing Uh, so it's a little bit more involved it isn't as clear cut as when you create it only in one spot Hmm. Uh, having said that on a technical level I don't think it's much work to to just allow people to do that so right now it's using kind of this uh, kind of an ID little thing with an ID. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then you you just make sure that whatever you created in the track, like it, it has the same ID and then yep. it's syncing up perfectly, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. So we, we can do it. And, and we've heard this question before, and I think it's a good uh, a good idea to do that. Yeah. Also because it allows people to use a track without using Blender. Yeah. Which could open it up to like whole Anyone, kind, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think of a big a big issue in that. Maybe if you open Blender and there's shots that are in Attract but not in Blender itself, you could add them. You can show in the Attract panel or something like that. We, yeah, we, yeah. But we also use Blender to uh, render a screen, uh, a thumbnail, for example. Yeah. Mm. So if you don't, if you want people to be able to use Attract without using Blender, we also have to have a way to upload a thumbnail. Mm. Yeah. Again, but, it's not that hard to do, but no. it, it's just work. Yeah, but I think with the thumbnail issue, we need to tackle it soon because assets need as thumbnails. Uh, uh, for example, tasks for animation tasks, you want a different thumbnail for lighting or like you want 
each task to have their own images. Uh, maybe with attachments, um, that would be nice, or attachments on comments, that also would be nice. But the thumbnails, we need them. Can you have an, you can have an asset mm. without a thumbnail? Yeah. So that, I hope it comes in really soon after that. We have so many exciting things. I don't know. Yeah. That are I coming. We are actually, we're uh, looking for people. We are hiding. So Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Because in a few weeks, the, uh, the code quest starts. Yes. And that means I'm also part of it. Yeah. So I will be joining the code quest as a Blender developer. So yeah, we definitely need somebody to more people. And yeah. I've been also focusing on other stuff as well. So I haven't been working much on the front end part of the of uh, the cloud. So we're also looking for hiring a front end developer and yeah, back end developer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean all pretty much everything that was there is, is, is working. It's just that adding new features like that you don't need front end right now. So it's not like Things have been happening. The Flamenco manager having upgraded, yep. and a lot of things happen without even um, need of a developer there. But if we had one, that would be awesome. So, or do I apply? Jobs at Blender.org. Blender yep. Yes. Just send us an email. Yes. Jobs at Blender.org or tweet or I mean, we is, we are easy to reach. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not hiding <laughs> anything. Okay. Next uh, question. Well, actually, it just says that. Uh, don't get me wrong. I really enjoy the podcast. But. Uh oh. But can you I make it shorter? I have to share that. <laughs> but you're talking too much. No. Uh, but I have to share that I missed a lot of coming on the three video weeklies. Would love to see spring doing the same, but I totally get that it's a lot of work. Still. Yeah. <laughs> and a wink yeah. image. Uh, emoji. I mean, there's definitely a reason why we didn't do it during the agent or during dweeps. It's just it's it's a lot of work, you know, and then you have to schedule that work. But if you're already overloaded with work, then where do you find the time? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know why we did it. In actually, what I mean, it's nice to do, but I don't know why the why did we even because we started on the first week even with the crappy camera. Mm. Coming you can I tell. Mean, it was just like it's gonna be a short, quick project. So the idea of because not we're... having to do this for a year that was definitely liberating and making you think, okay, we just can edit it. Yeah, quick. but also because in Cosmos we did uh, stream every weekly. Last half we didn't do uh, more than recording the dailies, but it wasn't. So we we felt the need to make something, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, the day ever whenever we do a new Caminandes four, I really hope I will have the energy to do it and maybe the experience because now we are doing videos more often. So yeah. I hope uh, that will come back, and I yeah. it will come back. I won't do a Caminandes without a weekly. Definitely. Well, we also have some behind-the-scenes footage of from Camelandes, Lamigos. Ah, yeah, the making yet, of. Yeah, that has it's, yet to be edited. I think. Yes, it will come with the poster of your Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anything else? And that's uh, the last question. The last is uh, actually a comment for from Forgotten Fantasies. Actually, I remember his name for from a sponsor of the Code Quest. So mm. thank you about that. And he's just mentioning about the Pomodoro technique that he, because last podcast was about focus. So he mentions that that is what he uses as a Pomodoro technique. So have you guys, are you familiar with it? Have you, have you used it yourself? Oh, what, what? Pomodoro technique. Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> he actually explained it. It's like, it consists on breaking down your tasks mm. into pieces of 25 minutes of focus and five minutes of rest with a bigger rest after four times. So you, you split your task in half an hour, half an hour, half mm. an hour. And then you do 25 okay. minutes work in, uninterrupted and then five minutes break. 
Never heard of it. It okay. usually takes me about 25 minutes to really get into the zone. So yeah. I don't, yeah, I, I would be shooting but myself. But how, how long does it last though? Because then you have people asking stuff. Oh yeah, that breaks it every time. Uh, that breaks or, it just about every time. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that is for the previous podcast. <laughs> that is all the news, all the questions we had actually. So now I can say thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Ciao. You've been listening to the Blender Animation Studio Podcast. Brought to you by the Blender Cloud. Are you enticed by poultry of the rosé persuasion? Get your attractive flamingo on the cloud. Go to cloud.blender.org. <laughs> <laughs> come, come on. Blah, blah, blah. Sometimes. Slap, 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 slap. Sometimes it's open.